Hello and welcome to a bonus Halloween episode of Eldritch Girl and today I'm going to do a film commentary which is going to be a bit of fun. Um, so one of my favourite films is um, the 1931 Dracula and I love all of the Dracula adaptations that I've seen and I I own a, a huge, ridiculous number of them. And so what I thought it might be fun to do is start with 1931, which is the first authorised adaptation of Dracula for the screen because um, Nosferatu was supposed to be an adaptation of Dracula, but it wasn't authorised and it got into a lot of hot water with copyright and all that kind of thing. Um, so I will do Nosferatu as well, but if I do Nosferatu, then I kind of also have to do the film that was made. <laughs> uh, I think it's called, oh, what's it called? Shadow of a Vampire, where it's uh, the vampire film about the making of Nosferatu, but where the actor playing Count Orlok in the film is actually a vampire as opposed to, you know, the, the actor in real life. Um, so <laughs> I might do that for fun, um, but I don't count Nosferatu as a, a, an official Dracula adaptation because it wasn't, but I love it as well. I've got that and I absolutely love it. This is um, This was played in cinemas that didn't have sound capabilities. There was a silent version of this. This is the talky version of it. It's not adapted from the novel as a screenplay it's actually a screenplay that's adapted from the stage play um, that was written by Hamilton Dean in 1924 and then updated by uh, the American playwright uh, John L. Balderston in 1927 um, and so when Universal Studios picked this up and then made like made Dracula in 1931 they're actually um, taking a lot from the play rather than from the novel um, but that kind of makes sense I guess the version that I've got is one with um, a film commentary by David Skull who's a film historian I am not a film historian I've watched it with a commentary a few times so I know some facts but basically this is just going to be me like giving you this is what I think about this film <laughs> and I know nothing about films so <laughs> you're gonna get like just <laughs> like a mix of stuff but I'm gonna say it really confidently so you can't tell the difference um, if you're playing along at home, if you've got a copy of this, do you want to count you in and we can like watch it together? So I hope you haven't got like an abridged version or anything, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so I'm going to press, I'm literally on the title screen um, and I've got it paused on the title screen and we're about to hear like the Swan Lake music. Okay. Um, so I'm going to count you in. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Oh, I like it. So you've got that lovely Swan Lake thing. And apparently they used um, Swan Lake uh, section for different horror films as well, because it's quite moody and atmospheric. I quite like it. I don't know if you can hear it, actually. I don't know how much this is picking up in the background, but I don't think we're allowed to. <laughs> anyway, so it's a Todd Browning film. Um, he's very famous. What I don't like about this is that the players, like Cat Dracula, Mina and John Harker, who's rubbish and played by David Manners, um, are all in like capital letters, right? Because they're the main three. But Renfield, who's incredibly like a big character in this, is played by Dwight Fry. And he's just like the fourth listed. But he's like, he's one of the main characters and he's so much better than Harker. <laughs> That's so harsh. And Joan Standing plays the maid, and I love her. 
Um, so it opens like a real live action shot of the carriage and the horses. And then it's like this painted backdrop, um, which is really cool. And then you get an interior shot of the carriage. Um, and I think the producer's niece like gives the first line of dialogue or something in it. She's just like um, one of the ladies in the carriage with a little 1930s hat. I do love all of the costuming and stuff. So there's um, there's a bit of Hungarian that gets spoken um, in the film because the area around the Borgo Pass was Transylvanian Hungary at the time of the uh, you know the time that the novel was set. So you get a lot of uh, Hungarian peasants saying the Lord's Prayer in Hungary, Hungarian. <laughs> it's quite distracting actually having to talk over something that I'm used to watching. Oh, yay, the, the carriage has got here before sunset. Excellent. Everyone's like out and cheering, really happy. There's loads of ducks and things. It's all very pastoral and idyllic. Oh, yeah, people watching from the windows. <laughs> Just uh, going to close that window. Nope, don't want to know. And then Renfield gets out and he's like this dapper little Englishman with his little white boater going on his little stripy college tie um and apparently like the <laughs> the bit that explains who he is <laughs> get got cut out um but he he's like the sole proprietor of his estate agent business whatever it is that he's got he's got his little cane going on there his little three-piece suit his uh slicked back hair he's having a chat to the innkeeper and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just uh, going to go on to Borgo Pass and Castle Dracula. And the innkeeper's like, you what? It's great. The innkeeper, by the way, I wish you could see this, has the best moustache. It's like the most amazing moustache. Top marks. Oh, and he's doing some amazing, like, you're going to the castle acting? Oh, no, 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 you don't want to go to the castle. It's beautiful. That is, that is some... <laughs> There's some weird cutaways. <laughs> some very choppy continuity in this film. Like he was clearly standing in a different place there. <laughs> like, yeah. I just... Oh. No, I mean, Renfield's not put off by superstition because he's a dapper little Englishman. Oh, no, a shot of the sun setting. This could be problematic. But Renfield's like, no, it's fine. I don't understand you. He's doing the baffled Englishman abroad acting now. Oh, it's great. Very expressive, but also very contained. He's like, no, he's got a little briefcase. It's like, oh, <laughs> I don't know what you mean, peasants. Good night. <laughs> Minces back to the carriage. <laughs> oh, look at him go. And then the old lady comes up to him and gives him a crucifix. And you get a still of her hand. <laughs> like, <laughs> here is a crucifix. Excellent. That'll do it. Off he goes. They're a gated community. The gates, are, <laughs> the gates are closing. And they're all like outside praying now, very loudly being uh, peasants. There's a really nice um, optical illusion shot 
apparently. Um, so it's like this painted onto glass, the castle. Um, and then you see like the, the real road underneath and it's um, done really well. <gasps> the beautiful vaulted crypt with the coffin just on the floor, just hanging out. That's fair, I guess. It's not even a tomb. It's like literally just a coffin on the floor. Um, and here come the brides, beautiful, beautiful brides and the possum. Yeah, so the castle's full of possums because um, the in the English language version, um, the censors thought rats were bad theatre. So the castle's populated with possums. There's another one in with the skeleton, <laughs> cute. And uh, armadillos. I'm not even joking. Gorgeous shot of Bela Lugosi. Um, he doesn't talk to the brides and they don't talk to him. And we had this conversation with um, St. Gibson about like brides and various adaptations and saint hadn't seen this version but it is kind of like the so it's it's underrated but it's so influential because it's where we get the idea of dracula with an accent from because obviously in the novel he, he deliberately doesn't have one um and where we get dracula in evening dress from and where we get like you know the the brides and the nightgowns and everything from um and in that, they just kind of, they come out the coffins and then they just kind of, they're just hanging out. Like he just stares at them and then they, we like literally you don't, you do nothing with them. They're just kind of window dressing in this film. Okay, so now he's picking up uh, Renfield at the Borgo Pass. So uh, Renfield's just had all of his stuff chucked out of the carriage by the other driver. Um, Dracula's not muffled in the way he should be in this one. But his eyes are really luminous, like because of the camera trickery, I guess. Um, and Renfield, for some reason, even though his face is fully exposed, doesn't recognise who Dracula is later on. Um, but, you know, it's dark. It's very misty. The dry ice machine's going full blast. I think it's, I think, you know, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just give him that one. There's no dialogue or anything. Um, and off we go. Um, across the misty blasted heath which is of course nothing like the Borgo Pass in real life but no one cares about that so yeah you got the live action shot of the carriage and then this glass painted scenery like on top of it um, which gives you this impression of of going towards um, this great big ruin that's really picturesque Renfield's looking out of the carriage window and the driver's not there but there is a big bat it's amazing actually this is like a uh, this is the ford coppola isn't it version that's where the that got that from um coppola got it from 1931 obviously not the other round <laughs> can you imagine um yeah so when feels like driver oh there's no one there that's weird wait something's not right here ah the door is creaking slowly open and there's nobody there but I'm just going to go ahead and go through it. He's very good at trepidation, but he's plucky. He's the plucky, intrepid Englishman abroad with a job to do, clutching his little briefcase. Oh, there he goes. OK, this is a set um, and it's beautiful. 
Um, so it was, I think, built in wherever it was they filmed it, like in the studios on the lot. But it's like this gorgeous gothic vaulted ruin with an 18 foot spider's web that they created out of, I don't know, like it says on the film commentary what they made it out of, but they blew it out of some sort of air gun thing. And it's like, ah, one armadillo, ah, ah, ah. two armadillos, ah, three, three armadillos. Yes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> gorgeous um, there's very little dialogue it's all very very slow it's kind of the point like it's slow it's atmospheric you have to really be drawn into it it's all about the static camera shots and uh, Bela Lugosi going I am Dracula because he learned his lines phonetically which is why you have this um, really stilted kind of way of talking and it's very slow and deliberate. Um, and that's where the, the stereotype comes from. Oh, look at him in his cape. He's got his evening dress on. He's got that metal thing around his neck, which again, I think the costuming in the Ford Coppola version borrowed really heavily from this, but made it really opulent and like rich. Oh, the wolf. The children of the night. What music they make. And the inflection's really weird as well. <laughs> but I don't think he spoke much English, actually, Bailey Lugosi. Not when he made this. Okay, so he's going to walk through the cobweb and not break it. Yeah, there he is inside. The cobweb is completely unbroken. How did that happen? The magic of the camera. And the, I mean, you don't see him walk through. You see him in front and then you see him behind. And then you see Ren you see Renfield's reaction in the middle. And then Renfield's like, uh, okay, I'm going to use my cane. And I'm just going to go ahead and uh, just, just break that through. Yep, yep, great. And there's a, there's a little plastic spider. <laughs> just like scuttles away, but its legs are not moving. It's just being dragged on a string. There's loads of bats on strings as well. But you don't see the strings. I mean, fair play to them. Like, you know, they are on strings, but you don't really see the strings. You'd be looking really closely. It's quite grainy footage. <laughs> like, how can you tell? And Dracula's there with this one single candle. And then you've got this all-purpose room with, like, all of these crazy candelabras going on, like, full of, of candles, you know, like in a, in a big Orthodox church. Loads of them. <clears throat> like, those sorts of... Uh, things like lighting every corner you've got a big suit of armor for no reason you've got the drapes going on um, you've got a big fireplace with an open fire you've got um, this lovely oh gorgeous table I want that table like carved oak table laid with um, wine and bread and stuff that obviously Dracula's not going to eat and a bed so you've got like everything can happen in this room all at once very efficient and Dracula's like, hello, you short, sexy Englishman. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he is. Um, so Dracula's taken his coat like a butler. There is no butler. This is all weird. The door just opens on its own. This is very much like the Beauty and the Beast castle because of the weird stuff that happens in it. It's great. So also because of the continuity errors. But like, I think that just that that's great. That kind of adds to it. In a minute, like the bed's going to be turned down, but nobody's done it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> there we go. It's just Dracula's magnetism. Like literally, 
<laughs> here's a here's a turn down bed. Only one that I prepared earlier. <laughs> Please have some more wine. Oh, this is great. So Renfield's now seated and he's like, oh, yes, yes. Um, here are the um, papers that you want to sign because I am the sole proprietor of my uh, estate agent. Oh, this shot of Dracula's face. Oh, my God. So you know how Angelica Houston in um, Adam's family has that shot of her face and she's like, she's just got a bar of light across her eyes and the rest of her face is completely in shadow. So it's just that one strip of light. That's the shot. That's the shot. You get this close-up of, of um, Dracula and it's it's repeated through the film as a motif. Um, so you've got that shot where it's just like his eyes are glowing, you know, they're kind of luminous um, or they've, <laughs> they're like reflecting mirrors in his eyes or something like, um, or just underneath. So he's not like actually blinded, but, um, and you can see those two kind of circles of light, like, hitting his hitting his eyes like that making them kind of glow okay so the bed is not turned down Dracula's just uh <laughs> Ren feels like thanks it looks very inviting yeah it does oh he pricked himself just a little prick <laughs> Dracula's into it yep bed's turned down there it is <laughs> magnetism oh no oh okay he's uh, the the crucifix from earlier Chekhov's crucifix um just uh, fell out um of his pocket of uh, Renfield's pocket so Dracula's like oh no and very dramatically throws his arm across his eyes um and now he's like okay have some more wine it's Tokai <laughs> I do like a bit of Tokai actually it's a very nice dessert wine um yeah. <laughs> so good. That was a lot of blood for a tiny little cut as well. <laughs> Just oozing out of his finger there. Um, I quite like the way that Dracula creeps across the screen as well. Oh, there we go. Angelica Houston moment. Um, I know also it's the other way round, but I don't care. Um, yeah, so we've got this lovely moment where he's like creeping across the floor with one hand extended, you know, but like like a, like a T-Rex arm, but pointed. Like, so he's creeping along like, you know, I'm going to have you kind of thing. And then he doesn't. He just walks out like a gentleman. Renfield's looking quite gutted. <laughs> Now he's like, oh, wait, I'm alone in this big room with only one bed. Well, that seems a, that's a waste. Oh, the brides, the beautiful, beautiful brides. Unfortunately, we're not interested in the brides. So um, they're kind of in these really long nightgowns. In the Spanish version, apparently, they're, you know, it was all a bit more risque and there were real rats and stuff. Um, but these three brides are kind of like the weird sisters in Macbeth, which... Um, you know, uh, they, they kind of look dead with their pale makeup and they, um, oh, Renfield's just passed out because he opened the French windows and a big bat hypnotised him, as you do. Um, so they're now creeping towards him with their long trains. Like they're actually dressed as brides, like that's the costuming. Um, and they've got the 1930s kind of coiffured, short permed hair going on as well. Um, 
at least one of them does. And then Dracula comes in through the open window um, and they just retreat. He doesn't say anything. They just kind of like, oh, shuffling away, shuffling away. And now he's like, oh, passed out sexy Englishman. Great. Um, and now we've got the, the creeping towards him with the hand claws and leave like leaning down to where's that hand going, mate? What? You, oh, okay, right. Either side of him, fine. Um, yeah, lovely. And then obviously you don't see what happens. It's a fade to black. And then we've got uh, aboard the Vesta, bound for England, which is the the title screen because that's like um, you know the silent movie hang up throwback then you've got um some scenes from a film called can't remember is it the silence or something which is spliced in so because that was from a silent film it's like double time <laughs> really jerky because it's a different speed of playback um so you've got the spliced in ship um with all these sailors in oil skins like being tossed around the deck and like grappling with the wheel um at this really jerky half motion and then you've got Obviously, that's not happening under the deck because <laughs> Dracula and Renfield are not experiencing this at all. It's like they're in a totally different film. Um, and Renfield's like caressing the coffin and now he's uh, got Dracula out and you've got the Angelica Houston moment again with the eyes going on there. Um, and uh, Dracula's just like ignoring Renfield's pleading. And Renfield's like, oh my God, I'll serve you. Just give me lives like you promised master and I love this like it's all spliced it's water everywhere and Dracula's just hanging out vaguely swaying like the boat is being tossed side to side there's water everywhere splashing over the camera lens all really dramatic and Dracula's just sort of stood there and then it cuts to the harbour and the harbour master's voice is actually Todd Browning the director and uh yeah you basically see the silhouetted shadow of the captain lashed the wheel with his head thrown back. Um, so you can't see too much blood. You can't see rats. You can't see fangs in this, like, because the sensors were kind of like very picky about it. But, <laughs> you know, it's all the imagination, isn't it? It's all the, the magic of the theatre, <laughs> or in this case, the silver screen. And Renfield's just there, like, caressing, <laughs> like, <laughs> caressing the the coffin or the crate <laughs> that Dracula's in like master we're here oh this is creepy so they're about to open the hatch to see if there's any survivors and Renfield is literally just stood at the bottom of the stairs oh god he's literally just stood at the bottom of the stairs clinging onto the handrail and grinning like in a proper grimace and laughing through his gritted teeth like <laughs> like that kind of sound like oh okay a newspaper Late, of Lon late London edition, crew of corpses found on derelict vessel. Schooner Vesta drifts into Whitby Harbour after storm bearing gruesome cargo. And then, uh, sole survivor, a raving maniac. His craving to devour ants, flies and other small living things to obtain their blood puzzles scientists. At present, he is under observation in Dr. Seward's sanitarium near London. Fate Black. So Dr. Seward in this is Mina's dad. We won't ask too many questions about that because very often they conflate characters because it's just too difficult to keep track of everything. 
Um, anyway, here we go. We're in London with like a pea soup fog going on. There's a little flower girl. She's going to die because um, Dracula is pretty into uh, hypnotizing and killing all of the lower socioeconomic uh, people. There he goes, this embrace. She's like, do you want a flower? No, 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 not a flower. Oh, oh God. Um, there's a scream, fade to black. <laughs> and now he's just like walking through London, the dapper man about town with his top hat on, like nothing happened and the cane. Again, very Francis Ford Coppola. Not the long hair though. It's the very, it's 1930s. So it's like the very slick kind of short haired look. And then you've got all the gawkers coming to look at the dead flower girl and the Bobby on the beat with his whistle. Um, you've got this shot of like, is it meant to be the, the National Opera House, I think? Um, and it's the opening uh, of some opera, I don't know. Um, but Dracula's obviously gonna chill out in the box because he wants to beat Dr. Seward because Dr. Seward has Renfield. So there's the little usherette with a torch. She's gonna get hypnotized in a minute because um, he does like his lower classes. Um, this is very like, like, you know, this is a very class conscious film. Everybody's very opulent at the opera house. They're full of like, you, you've got the, the twin set and pearl brigade going on you've got furs you've got these beautiful hairstyles and the ladies um all the men with their starched collars and you've got um dracula being taken to the box where mina is with harker um mina's quite like uh conservatively dressed i guess she's not it's not very risque um she's got you know sort of the nice short hair going on and some sleeves lucy is the one with um is played by francis dade and she's got like really short kind of flapper hair like much shorter than mina's and her dress is a little bit more risque than mina's um but she's mina's friend lucy um and she's just hanging out with them like she's not a character in her own right she's literally just there to be dracula fodder um, so Dracula's hypnotised the usherette to tell Dr. Seward he's wanted on the telephone so that he will leave the box and they will meet accidentally um, in the <laughs> accidentally in inverted commas. Um, and now Dracula is getting an invitation from Dr. Seward to join them in the box. Um, there's a abrupt handshake. <laughs> um, Harker stands up to be like, oh, hello, attractive count. And Lucy's like, Oh hey! Oh Harker, that was a that was a lingering look there, and a nice little bow. Mina just doesn't care. Mina's very practical and pragmatic, but Lucy's like well into it. Oh look, there's there's a seat there now. That's right by Lucy. Excellent. Lucy's the one with all the morbid poetry. She's got a really interesting like. Um, so she's very obviously attracted to Dracula in this um, and um, immediately goes, oh, yeah, you remind me of this really morbid poem. Let me recite this morbid poem for you. And Dracula's like, amazing. Um, and Mina's like, oh, no, <laughs> 
don't worry about the rest of it, dear. Um, <laughs> oh, to die, to be really dead, that might be glorious, says Dracula. There are far worse things than death. <laughs> yes, of which a lifetime with Jonathan Harker is one of them. Oh, yep, we've just got a lovely grimacing smile from Dracula there and a fade to black. And now we're with uh, Mina and Lucy in Mina's room. Lucy, no, Lucy's room. And Mina's doing like an impression of Count Dracula uh, <laughs> with his accent, full on mocking him. <laughs> and Lucy's like, no, don't be horrible. I've got a crush now. Yeah, Lucy thinks he's fascinating. Mina's like, oh, you're such a romantic, dear. What you need is a, is a really boring man like Jonathan who doesn't do anything, just looks a bit pretty. Lucy's like, oh, no, what a bit of adventure. I mean, it's like, oh, you could be a countess, though. That's a bit, that's a bit of all right, isn't it? I suppose. So Mina's off. <laughs> Dracula's just uh, casually greeting the policeman who's uh, just uh, on his beat outside. Lucy's opening the window and Dracula's just going to stand there outside the window watching her uh, undress. <laughs> okay. Um, you don't see that. Like, you see her taking a shawl off, but, you know, <laughs> 1931. Um, <laughs> they can't show you everything. If this was 1975, it'd be banned, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, you've got, <laughs> like, they would have put a lot more erotica into it. Um, so here comes the bat through Lucy's window. I don't know why they didn't do that. I mean, it's just, I, I'm sure somebody must have done. Dracula, the porn version, the 1970s porn version. I bet it was in French. I guarantee you I'll find it. If it exists, I'll find it. Oh, look at that lovely cut. So you get this little uh, bat and then it's like Lucy and then it pans to the uh, across the bed and he's just stood there as Dracula. Is that like the 1930s equivalent of a jump scare? And then he's got that stalking, like weird hand where he's just reaching for her. And then like, he reminds me a bit of a bug, like kind of the way his back is straight and he's like leaning into the neck and then it's fade to black and now you've got um the medical scene where all of the students are in their tiered lecture theater seating and uh lucy is obviously dead on the gurney and all the surgeons and stuff are standing around kind of doing the autopsy you don't see that either <clears throat> she's obviously covered by a sheet and for some reason there's a bandage around her forehead. I don't know if they took her brain out or what, but, and then now they're examining going on. Oh, there's just like two marks on the neck. And he's uh, looking at them through a magnifying glass, fade to black. Seward Sanitarium. 
this is where you get all of the 1930s um, kind of mental health played for laughs stuff um, and that kind of the the manic laughter of the inmates and so it's you know screams and that kind of thing you see you do see that a lot like you see it in the 1979 uh, is it version with Frank Langella and um, Dr Seward is then played by Donald Pleasance and in that one he's Lucy's father and you see a lot of interior shots of the asylum and um, it's very much like a 1970s reimagining of the asylum. So again, it's kind of played for played for laughs, played for pathos, but not very sensitively done because, you know, and this isn't either. So the, um, the ward attendant or whatever he is, um, is called Martin, the character. And he's the straight character who kind of is played, he, he's like the, you know, um, the one with all the lines. And he's very much like mocking the 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 delusions of Renfield, who is um, obviously an inmate. Um, <laughs> but also he's, Renfield is just allowed to kind of wander around. Well, he's not allowed to, but he does anyway. And he wanders into like the domestic quarters a lot. It's really weird. So here we go with a shot of Van Helsing around the table with his paraphernalia. Just uh, he's the only one with a white coat on and um, the others there's like four other people present of which one of them is Dr. Seward. And Van Helsing is like expounding on his science because he's a scientific man um, and he's got a big test tube. And that's how you know he's a scientific man. And he's like, look at my big test tube boys. You guys don't have as big a test tube as me. And they're like, no, no, we don't. And like leaning in closer, like, do tell us more. Um, and he's like, yeah, so vampires. And Dr. Sue is like, oh, I don't know, man. That sounds a bit odd. Like, have you seen my test tube though, mate? There's also a microscope, like. And uh, yeah, so Van Helsing is, uh, it's, it's just a it's just a load of old white men in a room this basically um but van helsing's like yeah yeah it's vampires and uh superstitions root somewhere you know and uh i'm gonna tap the table it's just sound authoritative um and oh look yeah it worked because uh, dr seward's inexplicably invited him back to the sanitarium in order to examine renfield um to see what can be made of this delusion um we're not in white coats anymore we're kind of in our in our usual dark suits renfield's being brought in by martin the orderly and uh renfield's like doesn't exactly talk down to him Renfield's like trying to give the illusion that he's fine um, because he knows that, you know, and he goes to shake Van Helsing's hand and Van Helsing turns his hand around to look at the back of it as if he's going to kiss the back of his hand. It's really, it looks, it does come across that way. It's quite odd. Um, but he's obviously taking Renfield's pulse or something and Renfield just snatches his hand away and is like, take your filthy hands off me. Like there's a lot going on here because like there's a lot of coding and stuff I think that just because of the like the physicality and that kind of thing and Renfield does come across as quite this kind of mincing effeminate 
um like it, it's 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 interesting you know and now he's like oh i'm having really bad dreams and you don't understand you don't understand the bad dreams that i'm having oh my god it's a wolf there's a there's a inexplicably a wolf howl at that point um and here we are in carfax abbey minus the brides because we left them at home um and nothing bad has happened to the brides they're just hanging out in the castle on their own now i guess because uh because <laughs> dracula found himself a uh you know a short little englishman uh with a briefcase and went actually i'm going to uh start a new life with him instead and good for you mate good for you um unfortunately somebody's locked him in a sanitarium yeah so now martin's like going oh you know renfield he's talking to like these flies and stuff it's like yeah that's that would be why he's in a sanitarium mate like that's also your job like you're an orderly like why are you surprised at people doing things that are not that you don't think of as as like normal i don't i don't like this is this whole problematic kind of thing but anyway yeah yeah he calls him old fly eater as well like and renfield's like no i'm warning you like I'm actually not mad. <laughs> there is actually a genuinely a vampire. <laughs> like he's gonna come, and I'm like, no, 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 back to bed with you. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and Renfield also recoiled from the garlic that Van Helsing kind of thrust in his face. And Van Helsing's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you observe the reactions? We are men of science. And Renfield's like on his bed and I'm really genuinely upset. Like there's some really good acting going on here. <laughs> and he's like very much in despair and very much like the the look on his face when he hears the, the wolf howling outside his window is just this, the staring eyes. And he's like, yes, master. Like it's full of desire and also revulsion, but then like, this compulsion and he's like oh my god you came back for me and then it's all telepathy you don't get to hear any other side of the conversation like Bella Lugosi's character uh, Dracula is just stood outside staring and you get that Angelica Houston moment again in the close-up and Renfield's like no no please don't I don't want to hurt Mina he means Mina like he's going no no not her not her um and that's picked up on in the um for a couple of version as well I think um, with kind of uh, Tom, Tom Waits, um, is it Tom Waite? Is that his name? Renfield in that one. Anyway, we get the lovely bat flapping at the window of Mina's room now, and then a cutaway, and somehow Dracula's stood by the open door of her bedroom, not the window of the bedroom, but that's okay because he was a bat, I guess. And he's doing that that clawed creeping and this time his face is like this grimacing comedy mask you know like the ancient greek comedy mask like his mouth is open and you can't see his teeth because you can't show fangs right and he just leans in over the camera and it's like this like really 
distorted grotesque sort of shot it's quite you know that I think that would have been quite effective back then and now Mina's kind of downstairs it's the next day she's got a scarf around her neck so she's kind of dressed like one of the brides now um so she's got the very kind of I don't know what color it is originally obviously but when it's in black and white it's this very pale white looking dress and a matching like floaty drapey scarf and the little floaty sleeves so she actually now looks like like they're mirroring costuming I think on purpose of the three brides that you saw before and now she's kind of going oh and she's recounting this moment so that you don't you know that that fate what happened in that fade to black when she was asleep and Harker's just like hanging out in his tweed and jodhpurs like he's going grouse shooting in a minute holding a hand and like oh it can't be that bad dear <sighs> oh yeah sorry by all means doctor and he gets up and uh, wanders away <sighs> I'm just gonna sigh every time David Manners comes on screen oh. There he is with one hand tucked in the pocket of his uh, smoking jacket. It's not a smoking jacket, but like his jacket. Just having a chat to Mina's dad, like, oh, I'm a bit worried about Mina. Really, mate? Really, are you? Oh, she doesn't want to show Van Helsing her neck. There's actually nothing on her neck. Like, we don't see anything on her neck. But you have to imagine, to use the power of your imagination. Um, and it's being inspected and she's like not happy about it, but she's kind of, oh, there's two marks. Oh no, what? What? Shock. All this talk about vampires and... <sighs> Honestly, why is Harker so useless? What do you see in him, Mina? Oh. God, he's literally doing like the dramatic acting as well. It's great. He's like this chiseled jaw bloke, you know, like like he's he reminds me a lot of Brad Majors. <laughs> Just this really preppy, like dramatic, but ultimately very useless man, <laughs> like just decorative. He stands with his hands behind his back a lot. <laughs> Dracula has arrived and they're doing the introductions and Van Helsing is like, hello, I can see I will be your opponent for this evening. And Dracula is like, hello, I will be your antagonist for this evening. And um, they're all being very kind of mock polite to each other in the way that gentlemen are. And Mina's like, oh, I've had this really bad dream and I can't get it out of my mind. But now you're here. And Dracula's like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's probably my fault. I was telling her some tales from my country. And Harker's not happy about that. Harker wants Dracula to tell him tales from his country. Um, <laughs> and now Harker's like, moodily gone over to open the cigarette box which has a mirror on the inside of the lid and the mirror is reflecting da, 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 Mina and nothing nobody there um and so ah, yep Harker can see it and Van Helsing sees it too 
And Mina's like, good night, everyone. I, <laughs> I'm going back to bed now. <laughs> and there is still nothing. The reflection shows you nothing. Mina is just on her own, talking to nothing. How mysterious. And Harker's like, I don't get it. I'm just going to smoke my cigarette. <laughs> just. Yeah. Like, why don't you? Uh, so, so Van Helsing's like gonna offer him a cigarette from the from the mirrored box and see how he reacts in the mirror. <sighs> like, hmm, how about how about a cigarette just stroke the lid of the box a little bit? How about do do do? Ha! Dracula like whacks it out of his hand. In the Spanish language version, um, apparently he used the cane as well and just smashed it to shit on the floor. In this one, he's a lot more genteel. He's just like, Phew. and then he recovers himself and he's like, no, that's, uh, forgive me. <laughs> I don't like mirrors. <laughs> um, well, who does really, I suppose. He's got a little monocle this time going on, Dracula. Uh, he's going to go for the French windows. He's exiting via the French windows, which open onto a balcony. Yeah, yeah, he's just going to full on yeet himself out of that room. There he goes. Onto the balcony. <laughs> and now, uh, oh, what's that? It's a wolf or a big dog running across the lawn, says Harker. Like, he's he's not going to do anything about it, though. He's just going to come back inside. <sighs> yeah, there's a lot of monologues going on now. Well, it's dialogue, I suppose, but... Harker doesn't get it. What has Dracula got to do with wolves and bats? Have you not been listening, mate, to any stories that you might have heard during the course of this film? Okay, so he does have some good eyeshadow game going on, though, does Harker. There's some, there's some good makeup going on here. He's just going to stand there and look slightly gormless and try and take in some basic facts with his hands in his pockets, with his eyeshadow game going strong. Mina, on the other hand, is now ex exiting the house um, and she's going to go and meet Dracula in her diaphanous night things and her scarf and all of her frills and flounces and she's going to go out and he's like opened his cloak for her she's now on the lawn with him and there's going to be that lovely embrace and then the cloak swish just covering them very smooth Ugh. meanwhile Harker's just trying to get his head around the word vampire just just blinking a lot like it's it's two syllables and that's too many for my pretty brain 
I want to drive a fast car at 20 miles an hour, shoot some birds. Meanwhile, Van Helsing is like, let's let's let the adults talk. He's not talking to Harker anymore. He's just a blank sim goes to Dr. Seward. Renfield has been uh, listening to the whole thing. He's just been outside the door the whole time and he just walks in giggling. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, you should listen to Van Helsing, you know, because, uh, <clears throat> you know, all that stuff I've been telling you about, like flies and lives and blood. Well, <laughs> funny story, guys. <laughs> Not actually mad. <laughs> it's happening again. The look of absolute desperation on Renfield's face, like, please, Jonathan, please understand me. Oh, no, there's a bat. The bat knows. The bat knows everything. And Renfield's like, no, master, no, no, I wasn't going to actually tell them anything. He, he did just tell them a lot. Um, Harker's just waving ineffectually at the bat. <laughs> and it's like, oh, OK, I guess I'll fly somewhere else. I've heard enough. And Renfield's like, fully on like fully shaking like properly shaking and very static but it's like no Dracula I've never even heard of the name before and doing the you know far off stare into the camera and then he's he does this very childlike little boy sort of pose and he's very deferential to Van Helsing and very frightened <gasps> Joan standing playing the maid here she is doing her hysterical maid thing, which she does brilliantly. And Renfield's just like staring at her, grinning and giggling. And she just full on passes out. There she goes on the floor. And Renfield, oh my God. Yeah, Renfield then just gets on all fours and fully crawls, crawls very slowly over to her and that's honestly much more menacing oh my god and the grimace as he reaches for her neck is like the most disturbing thing like it's worse than the Dracula scenes I think because you know that he's not a vampire like what is he doing so they found Mina in the lawn and uh take her back to the house and there's Dracula just uh, casually stepping out from behind a tree like literally just steps out from behind a tree and watches them go and then we cut to the, so, so Lucy does make a comeback in this, but only very briefly. And then they got rid of the scene that would have made Lucy make sense, um, which is where they stake her and Jonathan doesn't do anything, like literally the shooting script. Um, he just stands there looking terrified and then Mena Helsing goes in and does it. But there's this scene where um, you see a Bobby on the beat, just seeing Lucy walking like a zombie. And now, um, Martin, the orderly, is reading the newspaper report of a child that got kidnapped by the blueful lady, um, which is obviously Lucy, to the nurses in the sanitarium. So they're like both listening to him avidly as he, you know, reads this newspaper article to them. So you don't see anything. And then Lucy just doesn't come back. And um, yeah, that scene would have been really cool, except it literally would have been Jonathan Harker just stood there going, oh, my God it's a woman, a dead woman. Um, and like, he doesn't say anything either. He apparently doesn't have any lines. He just kind of stares off um, at the, 
you know, grave bit where he saw her go into and Van Helsing's like, oh, I, I guess I'll do this then. I didn't want to show you, but, you know, you have to see it with your own eyes. And he goes in and does the work. And Jonathan just kind of stands there looking terrified. And that was the scene. So, like, literally, even in the cut scenes, he does nothing. Um, there's a really nice bit of um, existential angst from Mina, though, um, in this film which is coming up now um Amina's kind of aware that she's changing that she's going through this transitional period that she doesn't understand she's becoming something else she's becoming potentially dangerous to people around her and then she has you know she starts having that really strong reaction to the crucifix um and like or, or just the cross and she's trying to have a serious conversation with Van Helsing and Harker is just standing there not really getting it and being like oh darling darling you're going to live like John it's over you have to accept it it's it's over so what are you trying to say well I'm, I'm trying to say it's over um <laughs> and then she's like just blanks him and talks to Van Helsing like and he's just but darling darling pay attention to me am I not the attractive male lead I mean it's like oh all right. Oh, it's all over, John. Do you understand that? No, you don't, do you? Oh, just uh, does the little puppy dog, the little kicked puppy face in profile. But yeah, Mina's like, nope. It's all over for me. She's... So yeah, Harker's not having that. He's going to shout at Van Helsing a little bit because that'll help. <sighs> right, he's going to stride off and now he's going to shout at her dad because obviously that'll help too. And now he's going to shout at Mina because that'll help. And uh, he's not, he's not really getting it. And he's like, no, I'm going to take her away and she's going to be safe because she'll be with me. Mina, I will see you in the library. And he flounces off. And Mina's like, no, <laughs> no, I'm going to stay here. Um, and we're going to go through with our crazy plan. So you've got the nurses now, um, both of which get hypnotised by Dracula in a minute because he does like to hypnotise people of lower social classes than him. Um, it's, his, it's his thing. Women and people of lower social class. Um, the only person that he can't hypnotise in the whole film, and he, he almost manages it, is Van Helsing. Um, but he doesn't even attempt to hypnotise Harker and he doesn't attempt to hypnotise Dr Seward either even though he's in the same room with them at you know points so it's like yeah that's quite an interesting one um he just goes for I don't know like weaker minds I guess but also his like people who are an actual threat to him and Harker and Dr Seward are not threats to him like Harker's like barely a character 
there's literally like this lingering shot of him just now just stood on his own while Van Helsing's talking to Dr. Seward, which, you know, that's the important dialogue bit. And Harker's like just displaying this gormless, I am the pretty boy love interest thing. But the camera loves him, so it just stays on him for a while. <laughs> the dialogue is going on in the background. And he's like, oh, uh, well, he does the, the sulky thing quite well. And the, the sort of fluttering the, fluttering the lashes a bit with his, with his eyeshadow. And he also does a lot of sulky sitting. He's now doing some sulky sitting. And Renfield is also creeping around the house. And you see his silhouette before you see him on the door. It's a very distorted shadow. The maid's apparently fine. We don't know really what happened with that. Renfield's just uh, sidling in. And uh, Dr. Seward's like, nope, I'm going to use my phone and call the orderly. Get out of my private quarters. But he's not going to do it himself because he's the doctor. That's for the underlings to do. He's not going to take charge of his patient himself or lay hands on his patient himself. And certainly nobody else is either. There's a lot of space between them, you know. Um, and Renfield is, again, acting as little heart out. He's got this lovely physicality, like he's, yeah, just sort of bent to And I think he played, um, is it Fritz in the Frankenstein film, which is the hunchback um, servant. So like, you know, the, the precursor of Igor. And he did get typecast, I think. But he's really good, like... And okay, so now he's describing, uh, so Renfield is now describing the sea of rats that Dracula turned himself into with burning red eyes outside his window, which had been totally impossible to do in 1931 as like a CGI or whatever. So it's, and obviously because it's adapted from the stage play, like I, I imagine like a lot of the speeches are very similar. I don't know though, I'd like to read that. Um. And he's just like delivering this beautiful theatrical speech with a lot of static, you know, he, he's, he's, he's not moving his legs. He's doing a lot, of, you know, he's kind of planted himself there and he's doing a lot of hand movements. And it's really like, it's really good. And he's almost mirroring Dracula and the way Dracula kind of hunches over and, and splays his hands, it's like splays his fingers. And then he's got the sort of the the claw thing going on. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's like a really the subservient mirror image of Dracula going on there. It's beautiful. And he just gets whisked off by Martin, the orderly ward manager, whoever he is. Dracula, meanwhile, has been also creeping around. <laughs> And has just appeared through the French windows. <laughs> and now it's just him and Van Helsing with some alone time. There's absolutely no chemistry between them. Um, it's just like two men of a certain age facing off, you know. But you've got this really, 
they are like this is like chess players that's what the chemistry is between them that's the dynamic you know they're like just two chess players um gonna face off in a very slow deliberate way and this is like so um van helsing's like i will see to it that mina dies in the daylight so that you don't get her and um he and Dracula's like, oh well, you know, yeah, she she'll you could save her if she dies in the daylight, but she dies in the night, she's gonna be mine, basically. Which is really interesting, like that kind of folklore. I don't really see that a lot. Um, like that when when does the vampire victim die? And like if it's in the sunlight or in in the moonlight, I guess, or at night time, like the difference. Okay, now um Dracula's trying to um compel Van Helsing with the claw hand he's like come here and um, Van Helsing is actually walking towards him because um, if Dracula man um, but then he's like he he visibly fights it and now he's going to take a few steps backward very slow very shuddering steps but he can do it like it's it's really hard um, but his is the superior uh, you know, kind of strength of will, I guess, in this encounter. Um, and now he reaches into his pocket. What has he got in his pocket? Wolfsbane. No more effective than that. It is ta crucifix. And the uh, count whisks his cloak around him and is gone. In that big dramatic villain exit. So that's quite that's quite cool. Amina has this kind of existential thing, like with the cross, in a bit, um, where she says, like, the reason that she doesn't, um, you know, because it's that that the the vampire is the blasphemous inversion of the resurrection. So, you know, she can't bear to look at the crucifix because that is the the sacred emblem you know and she knows that's not what she is anymore and it's that kind of like that feeling of dread and of isolation of desolation and um in the speech that Renfield gave he actually quoted from um the gospel of Matthew and the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness um so it's like you know all of this I will give you said Dracula to Renfield if you will obey me and um Dracula is kind of like this uh both both Satan both the tempting Satan and Christ giving blood communion you know like this perverse mix of the two Mina's got this gorgeous satin dress on at this point. Like it's luminously beautiful and very drapey and flowy. And Mina's like very into Harker's neck and like points at the sky and is like, look up at the sky, dear, look at the stars. And Harker's like, oh, of course, and immediately looks up. And she's like fixed on his neck. And then he's like, looks down and goes, Oh, you're right, love. <laughs> and she's like, Oh yes, yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. And the nurse is like, this doesn't look fine. So the nurse retreats. And I mean, it's like, come and sit down with me outside on the chaise long. <sighs> and she's going to go full little like uh, vampire. Seward and Van Helsing having a chat on the stairs. 
they're planning and plotting and scheming, um, figuring out how to save Mina's life on Seoul. And uh, Mina's not afraid of the night anymore. Harker's like, oh, you said you were afraid of the night. She's like, oh, the old Mina. Oh, it's the only time I feel really alive. Here comes the bat, squeaking. Uh, Mina's talking to the bat like it's, you know, like she's interpreting the squeaks. And she just says, yes, yes, I will. I will. There you go. And um, Harker's like, you will what? <laughs> and she's like, oh, nothing, dear. I didn't say anything. It's like prime gaslighting going on there. No, no, you didn't hear me say anything. I didn't say anything. You just be here. You're hearing things. So no, I thought I heard you say uh, no, 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 no. Definitely was not having a telepathic conversation with the bat. No, <laughs> that would be crazy. So Dr. Seward of Manhelsing are now in Mina's room, um, going through the uh, French windows to see them. Um, sat outside in the balcony. So they're about to witness Mina's. Um, obsession with uh, Harker's uh, jugular vein and um, she's got this really intense stare she's fixed on him like this really oh it's beautiful slow like close-up on her face and she's just gonna lean very slowly off out of shot and he's like Mina Mina <laughs> And uh, it's all right, Van Helsing's there with a the crucifix, which Harker then tries to grapple off him because Mina's upset by that. And Van Helsing is like, what, I'm trying to save her. And Harker's like, oh, saving her like that, that's a fine way. Like, he just saved you, mate. Like, I, what are you not understanding? Um, and yeah, this is where Mina's like, no, no, put it away. I can't bear to look at it, the crucifix. And um, this is the, yeah, please believe everything Van Helsing says, Harker. It is all true. Like, oh, but what has he done to you, dearest? Tell me. Well, uh, <laughs> oh, that's a gunshot because Martin the orderly's out there with a rifle and the maid who is fine. I don't know why the maid's out there, but they're shooting at the bat. Because uh, that'll work. I don't know why people just don't do that, you know, just shoot the bat. <laughs> like, <laughs> in it. <laughs> and then there's a little bit of banter with the orderly and the maid. There we go. Martin's just like, everyone's crazy except us, and I have my doubts about you. And she's like, yes. And he just backs off with the rifle. Um, so it's now like 20 to 5 or something in the morning, according to the clock. And the nurse is now hypnotized, hasn't shut the window and um, or has shut the window. Yeah, she has. But Dracula's outside and can... Lure her through net curtains, apparently. Uh, he's just stood there in the mist, staring. And she's like, hey, I'll just uh, remove the garlic flowers, I guess, and open this window for you. 
which she does. Like there's very little dialogue. I think the men do the majority of the talking in this, to be honest. Like the brides have absolutely no lines. Lucy only has a few lines and they've cut most of her scenes. Mina has the speeches um, about, you know, her state of being and that kind of thing. But literally like the usherette just has the lines that Dracula tells her to say when he hypnotizes her. The flower girl's just there going, flowers, flowers? Oh, oh, I'm dead. Um, yeah, it's it's just a very like, yeah. That's all right though. But a lot of it is very silent as well. Like it's not, like some people just, sometimes there's scenes without dialogue at all um, because they're still kind of getting used to the, I guess that transition between silent um, films and talkies. So it's still all about the physicality and the acting and stuff. And the facial, you know, cues and your body language. Like less is more, guys. Less is more. But, uh, you know. So Renfield's now escaped again and is going down to the crypt in Carfax Abbey after Mina and Dracula, because uh, Dracula's now abducted Mina who has now got this train going on, like a full-on bride. Um, and so Renfield's like right at the bottom of this huge sweeping staircase. Um, it's like, Master, I'm here. Aren't you pleased to see me? And he's like, oh, I'm back into chicks now though, mate. <sighs> uh, Mina's, oh God, this is giving me like vertigo. Like, so Mina is is just kind of not looking where she's going with this really long flowy thing on. And there's no handrail. It's a really long, like steep staircase. That's a 20 foot drop, love. I'm not being funny. And you've got them sort of framed in the long shot. So there's Dracula above them on the stairs. Mina's in the middle in white. And then um, Renfield's at the bottom, because of course he is. Um, <laughs> it's very much a Renfield position. Um, and then uh, Dracula's about to go after him and like put him in his place. Here he comes, creeping down the stairs, passing Mina on the stairs. Oh, God, get a handrail, guys. Health and safety. Um, and then, like, just pointing with this little T-Rex hand. Just, and uh, Renfield's like, you know, in the time that Renfield's, like, begging Dracula to let him live, um, he could have just run, like, down the stairs, but he doesn't. Um, that's all right. Now he's being strangled. Yeah, now he's been thrown down the stairs. It's some beautiful falling down the stairs acting. Like, it's just gorgeous. I like a good uh, tumbling down the stairs scene. There's um, Mina being picked up and whisked off by Dracula into the crypt and the door slammed in Jonathan Harker's face because even when he's carrying a full-grown woman, Dracula still moves faster than Jonathan Harker does who inexplicably has a hat on because you you take a hat you dress the part when you're trying to rescue your girl from um from a crypt at what point do you think oh my missus has been abducted better go get my hat from the hat stand anyway so uh, harker's running around shouting mina's name that'll work 
Um, but Van Helsing has spotted the crates times two. Um, and obviously Dracula has gone, huh, I think I'll have a nap now. Yeah, there he is in his crate. Because that's what you do once you, you know, slam the door in your opponent's face. You just lie down, have a little bit of a nap. Yep, sure that went backfire. So they're a bit worried about the contents of the second crate, as, as they should be. And they, they've opened it a little bit, but they're not looking in it. No, they're just going to put the lid back down. No, they don't want to see. Van Helsing's like, get me a big rock, eh? Get me a big rock, lad. So um, Harker goes off to find something that Van Helsing can drive a stake through uh, Dracula's heart with. Finds a big iron bar. Good lad. Meanwhile, Van Helsing is doing the manly work of uh, cracking open that crate lid. And he's going to use a bit of the crate lid to uh, to be a stake. But he's going for Mina first. Nice. Ah, oh, what's this, boys? She's not even in the crate. That's good. Just Dracula then, is it? We'll just stake Dracula first. Which would be like the clever thing to do, right? Because he's the threat. Yep, so she's not in there. So Harker's dropped what he's brought to the party, namely the iron bar, crowbar. And has just run off again, yelling her name. Like, I guess that's okay. And now we hear the off-camera off groaning of, of Dracula as, uh, and the hammering of the stake. You don't see any of that. Mina is just um, hiding. Like, she's just like a statue in a corner. And now she's kind of coming out of her trance a bit and she's doing the, oh, oh, I can feel it too acting. And then she screams and he's like, Mina, 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 and runs after her. It's like the most action he's had, like all film, and he's done fuck all. And now she's giving him an embrace for some reason, um, like he's done any of the work. But he gets a cuddle because really he's just he's just a lost little lamb, isn't he? He needs somebody to look after him, doesn't he, really? That'd be you, Mina. Lucky, <laughs> lucky girl. What a lucky lass. Yep, so they ascend that staircase again and she's in full bridal thing. And, uh, you know, so that's the image and he's like, you know, on her, on the outside. So between her and the, the drop, which is quite nice. And they walk up the stairs together into their new life of, of luxury and interminable boredom. And that's the end of the film. <laughs> That's the end of the film. Um, it just cuts to the end. Um, and it's a Universal Studios production. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, so that was 1931 Dracula. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I'll probably do another one if you did. Um, yeah, if not, tough luck. You've heard it now. Um, thanks for listening. <laughs> um, I hope you will enjoy the next few episodes of Eldritch Girl, particularly the 13th serial, which is our main uh, serial this season um, and the other bonus episodes that we've got coming up bye now